two, three, four, five. Welcome back. Episode 48 of the Young Old Heads podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tommy, aka TV Sports Cards, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Max, aka Cards Max, aka Cards Max, Monopoly, Select Draft Picks Edition. Max, how are you doing? Doing good. Whenever I play Monopoly, I decide between the top hat and the artillery cannon, with that being representative of how I attack life. Well, Max, we are very lucky to be joined today with a second-time guest on the podcast, Mitch, at IMO Mitch Cards, right? Yeah. On Twitter. Matt, Mitch, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, man. Yeah, Twitter and Instagram, I rock the IMO Mitch Cards handle. But yeah, I'm feeling I, great, chilling out here on the West Coast. It's like really nice and sunny and oh. sweet out and... Well, I have zero I, complaints. I I had the first taste of good weather this week in Chicago, and of course today we're this week we're back to the 40s. So hoping to be back where you in your world soon. But Max, 70s. you get the box this week that was heard around the world. You want to tell tell the people what you hit the big banger hit that you got. The big banger hit. Well, I still have the box right here, or most of it. This is an Allen and Ginger X. Raw Prime 2022 Alan Ginter X. I have my minis right here or something. Mm, good old and, matte finish. And you can tell that there's so much whiting on absolutely every single card that there I'm never going to get a card that even has a shot of being in good condition. And that's always a plus. So I opened the box, my first pack in. So these boxes usually have a color and an auto. I get no color in the entire box. But first pack, I get the hit. And it is Hobby Wonder Kid Blake Grice. Autograph. Silver ink out of 25. Bang. And this was not what I was expecting. And entering a relatively short printed product that now resells for $130 a box and is currently $80 a box. Really good value, by the way. But I got killed. I got murdered. (laughs) Right. I don't think I'm getting my 80 bucks back. I don't know what to do with the base, and it reminds me of when I used to absolutely grind base Ginger X, and now it's just a problem that I don't want to do anymore. Ship it to me. Ship it to Mitch. But these are no <laughs> perfect eBay cards for like set collectors. Yeah. The set collectors grind this. Yes. What's the deal with Ginter X? Either one of you guys can answer. I, I don't know shit about G- Alan and Ginter, the whole history of it at all. Mitch, you might know a little bit more. Do you do you know about I Wait, just why, know that they. Well, I think that Alan McGinter was started in 2006, and there's a couple like really sweet rookie cards that were put into that set, um, or that era between like 06 and 08, like the Mike Tyson, the Bruce Lee, uh, and then the Pacquiao. I think it was like 2010. Those cards yeah. do like a hundred dollars PSA, ten hundred plus, hundred twenty. But anyway, um. In 2006, that's when that came out. And they only started doing Ginter-X like two years ago just to spice it up and give us extra crap. But, I mean, I like that it's black and it's different. And it's kind of a, I guess, kind of a jump to kind of a reach. But, I mean, it's a cool product. I don't know. I think it's completely unnecessary. But the silver ink on the black card, I mean, if that was a different hit besides that one kid, that would have been an absolutely fantastic box. Yeah. I, um, so biggest things with Ginger X, it, or now that there's Ginger Chrome as well. There you go. Uh, so now there's three Ginger products. I will say Ginger Chrome is the post-COVID production product that shouldn't exist. Autographs are one per case. Um, cases are 12 boxes. Pain. You get a lot of color, but overall it's not a very good product, and you don't even get that much color. So not worth it. Ginger X, on the other hand, online exclusive made in 2018 – Really the first resellable product ever that Topps has made that was online exclusive with that people could kind of see if they resell. Biggest thing is that it is a guaranteed autograph per box, which for is not the case in normal ginger. Normal ginger is one relic or one autograph per box. And it's a white napkin. But yeah, and it's a white napkin and you're never gonna get ink. So getting guaranteed ink is really cool. Um, it's not cool when your hit is Blake Grice, but they used to fetch like $200 a box like two years ago. Now it's like 130 and I bought mine from Tops a few months back for 80 and I really just did not want to list it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I ripped it. Yeah, and I've been there. I learned why I shouldn't rip and maybe I can make a good dent into breaking 
making making me making 40 bucks on the box. I'm not sure what to do with the base. I really hope I'm past my days of grinding bulk to that extent. But there are people that set collect. The black borders are cool. It's short printed. The minis are relatively short printed. I also did not get a Julio in the entire box. Classic. And I got a Wander base card. I was going to ask what the best rookie was, yeah. I got a base Wander. But Jinterex is kind of cool. So I'll take that. I bet that Wander's like 10 bucks. I can't believe how there's still Wander rookie cards coming out right now. Uh, Mitch, Mitch uh, you, I see Ginter or Ginter, whatever the fuck you call it. It's Ginter. Ginter. Ginter, okay, Lowest buy it now and Franco's 10 bucks. That's pretty sweet. So that's an eighth of the box already. And my Blake Grice auto is allegedly worth three bucks. It's really not that bad. Could have been that's much a, worse. That's a hold. That's a long hold. Long, long hold there. <laughs> but Mitch, I see you. I just want to say, um, sorry, I want to up real quick because I want to talk about Blake Grice. I'm looking at comps. His normal Ginter auto does 20 bucks. I can't find a comp on Ginter X. Um, a refractor out of 25 did five dollars. And a Blake Chick-fil-A auto with the inscription Chick-fil-A did $62. What? That's fucking awesome. Excuse me, but yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that that existed. That's cool. The kid's better in my eyes now. Yeah. I, I do like Ginter for the inscriptions. They do some fun ones, I feel like. Yeah. But, so so some yeah. – wow. So I, I don't know if mine's a short print or not. So in addition to but Blake Chick-fil-A, he also has – most of his autos that I see are Blake G., I have the full name auto with Blake Grice. It's like Kaminga. It's just like the Kaminga situation. Yeah, so it's like, do I charge a premium on an auto that no one wants or cares about? Oh, <laughs> like, put it up high, man. Yeah, let's do the card next. One at 75 OBO and one at 60 OBO. I feel like this card's worth nothing. Yeah, it's worth nothing. <laughs> I'd Maybe. probably sell it for like $30 like the day after I got it and call it a day. Yeah, cut your losses. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, me and Max have been talking a lot about the kind of death of base cards as something right. that people are buying these days. But I actually, Ginter is one set where I see a lot, you post a lot of base Ginter from like the, oh, I'm, 06 probably is a little too much of a premium, but like 07 to 2011, 2012. I see a lot of that in your stock sales and I mm -hmm. see a lot of people buying them all the time, like all the non-sports stuff. I feel like people do collect that base stuff. Is that way? Do you see that on your end? Yeah. I mean, that's honestly like where I make my niche to be on it. Uh, repeating myself, but that's honestly like my game is finding stuff that who are you? Is, wait, who am I? Who are you? Who am I? I mean, the mystery is the best part, you know, yeah. when are you, you get too, uh, if you get too comfortable, you know, it's just, it's good. The mystery is a good thing. Are you a card um, seller? Are you a man of mystery? Are you a nineties fanatic? Can you tell me if Pacific is a card brand or an ocean? It's first and foremost, an ocean, sir. And then, you know, the, the card brand's gone. So, I mean, did it even ever exist? Um, and if you weren't there to see it exist, I mean, it sure as hell didn't exist, right? It's like if a tree falls and isn't hurt, if Cards Max didn't see it when it happened, I mean, God damn, it couldn't exist. No, never, never. If Max, no. if Max doesn't have a take on it, it did not go down. Exactly. But anyway, going back to base cards. So the thing about cards that weren't overprinted is the whole thing. And a lot of the people that purchase cards for me really like odd stuff. They like uh, Americana, uh, ephemera is that the right word stuff like that like culture um and then they like seeing things that they haven't seen before um yeah. you know they still put out sets like that and i i do have some modern stuff that i mix in i try not to get too heavy on anything modern but i'm able to identify a need which is those years of those cards yeah. and i realize that i can usually get them from folks who really don't set a high premium on them you know a lot of people are kind of like oh gosh these are boring or um yeah they're like get get them out you know like i have friends in chico who are just like i have a big box of base cards of stuff i don't care about and i'm like oh man that is just me hello give them to me you know and then you pull out one that you comp and you get surprised about yeah that's just always what happens because it's some random dude who has only two or three cards in existence or whatever yeah. And people like that stuff. And then set collectors, like you're saying, Max, like you cannot underestimate the set collector. Yeah. For it, real. It, it's not my game per se as a collector for me. 
but it is definitely something that I know a lot of people are really high on and have a lot of fun with. I feel and like I know Mitch that they're, they're very like, it's a very fulfilling thing when you find that one hard card to complete your binder and you know, like that's a big deal for people. Yeah. People are stoked off of like completionists, yeah. you know, I'm not, but like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just like when I see something that I haven't seen before because I cycle through, through so much bulk and so many cards, I'm like, I don't even have to look up that this is rare. I know that this is somewhat rare because yeah. this isn't just bulk you find walking into normal card shops or whatever. Yeah. You know, and I have, I'm lucky that I have a shop around here that has had a um, allotment for like over 20 years. Oh, wow. So they've been stocking inventory for a minute. Well, they've it's just been, yeah. In, mosaic. And in a very small market in my area here is the thing. So I exist in a very small card market that for some reason has the correct economic air, like economics of the area yeah. to small shops can exist where I live. So, so because of that, there isn't a huge premium set on, you know, purchasing a lot of bulk stuff, stuff that they've had for too long. Uh, people drop collections on these places, you know? Yeah. I, I feel like you're in an area in California where like, you can have a storefront and you don't have to get all these margins on stuff no, necessarily, it, no. especially if you've been around for a while. You um, flip, you flip graded cards and you make way more than enough money to, to, to make your rent. Yeah, for sure. And the it's wax huge. is on the side and it's wow. just like a thing to have going, but yeah, it's all it's about submissions and shout out to Sierra Nevada sports cards and Chico. Well, that's a good transition for us, Mitch, <laughs> because I, I wanted to get some info because Max, I know is going to have a lot of questions for how you made your decisions on this. Yeah. But um, you graded with PSA for the first time. What was the thought process? Walk me through it. So the thought process on grading was I was getting restless and I was like, Mitch, what are you doing? Why are you waiting? You know, um, I was kind of like raising away, like, hold your money. Don't, you know, float too much money at once, blah, 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 which is, you know, not the way to go, obviously. Um, so, I just, you know, I took a bunch of cards into Sierra Nevada Sports Cards, which is where my friend Kyle and Tony, shout out to them, own the shop here in Chico, California. And um, I just basically talked to Kyle and, you know, we basically pulled aside a bunch of quote unquote slam dunks. That would be like more or less safe for my first submission, you know, without going too big and without going too risky. Um, even though there were a couple little mini risks in there. Oh, I saw them. I saw them. Yeah, but it was very fun and exciting and immediately addicting. That would be my like, um, like initial thought process on the whole thing was like getting them back. I did a blind reveal with myself. I did not let my friends spoil my grades. Um, and then the other thought processes, uh, bah. the other thought process for me was that my friend was the one who would be holding the cards. You know, he would be the one looking over the cards. He would be the one, you know, putting them in card savers properly. And he does submissions weekly. So, yeah. So he knows his shit. Right. Um, so that was very big for me. I've had so many people be like, mail me your cards. I'll clean them up. I'll send them in. And I have a lot of people that I definitely trust, you know, through Twitter. Absolutely. But the thing would be is I just, from where I come from and the way I was raised, I just, I have so much trouble doing consignment, anything, having any kind of responsibility, having any possible way for things to get fudged up, you know, Max. one less way for things to get messed up. Yeah, exactly. Um, I submitted my first cards with Max, our boy. Here. Right. Max, what questions do you have for Mitch about his thought process here with his first submission? What cards did you send out? And what so kind of cards I sent out a total of 12 cards. Initially it was 14. The, my, my friend Kyle caught two cards and was like, let me show you. These shouldn't go. One of those was a Bowman Chrome, uh, Bowman, Chrome, Bowman Chrome green refractor Lindor rookie, which is like almost compless that I bought from a friend. And then that got sent back because it has a dimple. Is that in the USA or is that uh, Indians? Indians, Indians. Okay. Yeah. And then um, the other card that came back was my Cave Cunningham Teal Explosion because it had a print error or liney thingy that a lot of those hoops, uh, you know, 
classic classic right and then so the other thing that you would want to know the 12 were three clayton kershaw update rookies that i pulled personally back then um that i've just been sitting on i sent a verlander a true day a true draft pick rookie i sent a prism 2012 trout not usa the angels won which was a wild card because i bought it from my friend shout out josh some dude i met on craigslist who's now my friend um and then i sent my bowman paper trout rookie that i pulled personally and then had in a binder for 15 years <laughs> and they no for real and it came back a nine which was crazy wow and then uh gosh what else was there what am I missing, Tommy? You didn't you didn't send in any vintage? None of your vintage went in? Not yet. Recently it did. Oh, so you're not the first one. My recent one it did. Um, but then there was a nut. Oh, the big one, I'm sorry, was the Cal Ripken 82 traded. Which, as you know, in a gem 10 is like a 4K card. So I was extremely excited about that because I pulled it out of the box and my dad was keeping for 40 years or whatever, and it came back a nine. And I immediately sold it because I was pissed. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think that's it. I think that was the 12. I don't know if I'm missing one or two. I'm, they might pop into my head, but no, yeah. Those are, those are, your, it was fun to see. And especially since when we first started talking about cards, Mitch, you were very much like, I'm going to wait until 20 yeah. years from now to grade my cards. So once I saw that, I was like, hmm, Mitch has, Mitch is up to some shit here. I want to hear what's up. But yeah. Um, my favorite one was the update. I saw you got a 10 on one of your Kershaw update rookies. That, yeah, that so my biggie. friend is awesome, and he stacked them and one aided, one nined, and one ten. So I was really happy about that. That was his thought to do, you know, so I was really stoked about that. Um, and then the other 10 was the prism. So I only got two 10s, but I only got one eight, I believe, which was, oh, which was, I'm sorry, the Trout Green 2015 Oh. retail retail hanger exclusive or something like that you pulled that recently right no. yeah yeah i bought that i think i bought those packs like a year ago pulled it yeah. pulled it by hand and supposedly those colors from those years on paper are like all eights max so. do you see do you see that too that like 2014 15 parallels from flagship do you see them being hard to grade i feel like i rarely see graded cards from that era that well I'm first like of all a lot of them aren't high enough in value to be graded um, and that one was a stretch for me. That one's probably the one that's worth the least raw. Um, and I don't know. I just kind of wanted, I, I kind of was just like, I don't know, fudge it. It's trout. Go for it. Um, but that was my one kind of wild card, I guess. But I like cards from that era. And I was told by somebody on Twitter, like, dude, those grades, ter those, those grade terribly. Mm. So I actually wasn't that bummed about how it all worked out. That makes know? sense. Yeah. So it was Max. an easy sub because I made my money back so quick or whatever, but go on. Yeah. Max, did you, uh, have you ever graded a Kershaw update, Max? We've talked about that card before. I've never graded one, have owned a 10. It was cool. Yeah. We, yeah. We love the, uh, the refractor, the Chrome refractor of him, that card, the like, uh, yeah. hobby exclusive Chrome update 2008 was a pretty, pretty big one for, did he have a red hot rookie thing? No, I love the red hot did, rookies did he, though. Did he not? No. He might have, dude. I'm tripping. I think he did. I, I think he did. And I, I want that one. I've seen that one. And I think there's an auto one, too, which would be really cool. But I like mm -hmm. Kershaw. I have a bunch of his odd rookies. Did have a red probably going to grade um, some right down the line. But Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I'm, uh, I'm fucked. Yeah. Tommy get fucked. Uh, he did have a red hot. <laughs> yeah. Was, right. Yeah. I don't know how that – how was that said distributed? Uh, it was like um, – so I actually got – a red hot rookie redemption that I pulled and it ended up being, it was Brett Wallace. No, but what, how'd it go? You just mailed in the redemption. Yeah. It was like a mail in Damn. or, or, or maybe, 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 maybe not. It might've been during that. Um, the thing where in 2010 that you would get the code cards and you would poke, poke them into the website. Do you remember that dude? Yeah. I vaguely remember that. Is that the diamond now? anniversary that... thing? Yeah. It was like, a but that was Oh eight. So that was 08 though. So it was probably a send back, send in kind of thing. I think I sent the actual card in and they sent me the Brett Wallace. I've re I sold it a couple of years ago, yeah. but I think that's, that's how that worked. But I'm, Oh, go on. I'm always fascinated by the different ways that tops has like distributed cards, <laughs> like, like all that shit. Like, yeah, especially the early days of the internet.
Yeah, in the early days of those cards, you would scratch them off too hard, and you'd have to like send them in by hand because you messed up the code. But in uh, 2003 tops, they had these mini cards. You know about the mini? I don't know what they were inserted in. Probably just normal flagship packs. And on the back, they had a scratch off game. And I have a bunch of those things that were scratched off from back in the day. I don't know I what you I do won, remember though. that. I don't know what I think you think I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Go on, Max. What were you gonna say? I love the 2014 power producers and how you could get like a full parallel set. Never got it, but it seemed cool. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, about, about the grading process, man. I'm curious what else you have to yeah. to say about that. I I think I'm more interested in hearing what you're sending in your second one because it seems like you okay. kept things pretty safe with these like iconic normal rookie card tops rookie cards that's all super fun. Super, super safe super safe how are you gonna how are you taking risks with your second one well, how you right so so the thing was first of all i'm a little displeased that i took so long to send another one in because i'm breaking the rhythm you know i've kind of realized that you kind of got to get a rhythm going with that so you can keep them going in and keep them going out um because i kept five of the slabs you know that i'm long holding so the thing was about the next sub is I wanted to take a couple more chances whilst also having home run hitters that can pay for the sub. Or, you know, if a certain card comes back in a really high grade, I would get rid of it. Um, so I did. I sent two mantles in. One is the triple combo card. Um, I want to say from like 68 or something. Or no, I don't know. Maybe before that. I can't recall, but it was a triple combo. It might have been the Maze Mantle Killabrew. Yeah, I know the Killabrew one. The Killabrew I think that's maze, what I, I think. Yeah. And then another one was like um, a, a late 60s mantle, but it was like decently clean. And then um, I sent in a Ricky Henderson rookie, which is kind of one of those cards that if it comes back, you know, a nine or a 10 is like, you know, going to do quite well for me. And then um, I sent in, I think, six. There you go. Nice. Very good. Yes. Iconic. I sent in six upper deck Griffey rookies. And I told Kyle that if they come back, or I mean, if he looks them over and they shouldn't be sent, then they shouldn't be sent. But he didn't say anything. So that's a tough one. I'm a little concerned because I, I don't really know how the holograms work, the back of the card. And then I don't know. I've also been told that that's not a massive deal unless they're really, really bad. Um, and then I also sent in a like 99 Pacific Paramount hollow gold David Ortiz that I pulled by hand. That's what right. I've been waiting for. Wait, what? That's what I've been waiting for is the first Pacific card you're sending in. We're going to cut in here. Me and Max. Mitch is getting dropped from the episode on occasion. Cut. Cut. Max. Mitch is gone for a sec. Yes, Mr. Podcast co-host. He's maybe back now. Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought we were going to start like a segment or something like that. Well, I want to start a segment. What do you want to talk about? What's on your mind? What's on my mind? Yeah. I went to the Hofstra show last week. I bought Mm -hmm. baseball cards. It was fun. I had a fun little skirmish with an old head dealer um he had a t205 cy young gold border set that and the biggest thing with t205 is that obviously they're gold borders but the corners and the edges chip a ton so the corners on this weren't like the chipping wasn't bad on this psa3 um i offer 2700 he says 3000 i say perfect he says, hold on, let me double check my sticker, even mm. though we already checked it once before. And he's like, ah, lowest I can do is 32. And I'm like, dude, yeah. seriously, we shook on it, blah, blah, blah. Whack. We shook, we shook on it. We shook on it. That's whack. And then after the fact, I'm like, how many years have you been doing this? And he's like, 50. And I'm like, you're telling me we shook on it and we don't have a deal? That's not good. And he's like, look, I forgot. I'm 79. I can only do so much. And I'm like, okay. I, I, I took it as genuine that I guess he didn't realize he was stickered at 3,600 and he didn't need to go as slow as 3,000. But felt bad. I mean, I felt bad both because I lost the deal that happened and I wasn't going to climb out of 3,200 just out of principle. And that, look, he's a 79-year-old man. I can't beat the guy up. It's a I, tough one. 
But no. also, like I was, I was a little ticked, and I didn't really hold back until he said that he's, "Hey, I'm 79. I'm, I'm forgetful. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm human." And I'm like, "Okay," but you have like a million dollars worth of inventory at this table. Come on, yeah. man. What's the two hundred? But also, like, I under, I am understanding. Maybe too understanding. Maybe that's my fault. I'm just too. Understanding. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That doesn't pass my test, but. Mitch, do you ever have people who like haggle with you on your cheap card sales on Twitter where you're like to a point where you find it kind of offensive? Well, it's funny you ask that because you're perpetuating that I should feel offended. <laughs> um, oh, and there he goes. But um, no, so listen, yes and no. Usually no. Most often, no. I'm prepared for that. Um, I realize that people that purchase my cards in a high volume sometimes end up paying a little bit of a premium yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. And I have no problem selling a card that's absolutely worth more than a dollar for 50 cents occasionally. Like that's yeah. okay. Um, however, if someone I, you know, don't stack with often or someone isn't around much or someone's kind of trying to jump in. Yeah. You know, at a very a kind of a lower than needing to be kind of thing. I'm kind of just like, hey, man, nah. Like, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, like not into that. Like, you know, hey, if you want to jump in first, you know, because the thing about it, man, is I'm obviously doing things that a lot of people don't want to do. A lot of people yeah. don't want to grind that hard for um, 60 or so stackers. Yeah. Like, I've you know. Yeah, People you don't and Max, want to do that. You so and Max I, both move a lot of cards. Yeah. Sorry, I'm interrupting, but Max has this a very unique customer support lens where he likes to occasionally poke fun at the people that are messaging him about his cards. Right. And Mitch, you always, I feel like your whole brand is kind of like 100% positive vibes, all the good vibes all the time. I see you chime in every once in a while when someone's like aggressively, aggressively annoying and like, clearly not a good person but yeah max can you give max give me your customer support con like what's your theory on it and i have more to add after but yes. i'm a, i'm so accommodating to my customers i'm the nicest greatest guy in the world that's for sure tell me about it i'm i'm great with my customers i just like to make fun of the ones that i don't do a deal with sometimes if they are aggressively lowballing yeah, you're, like, you're dealing with different cards too, I think. Like, or even well, like yeah. I had a, I had an Otani Beckett nine five that I bought at the Hofstra show uh, auto from Bowman Chrome Monster Card comps six k. I bought it at about fifty four hundred or so. Um, I go back and forth with this gentleman online. I think it was on Discord, and he's like, "Hey, me and my partner are thinking about making a play on it." I'm like, we'll keep me updated. And I'm like, okay, serious buyer, sure. Keep me posted. Let me know what's up. And then he comes back a day later. He's like, okay, I think we're ready to make an offer. Like, the comp, the comps are sketchy. The most we can do is forty five hundred. And I'm like, dude, like, True Gem Plus is fresh and did ninety two hundred. Min Gem did six thousand. I'm, I'm at, <laughs> and I, I know I literally just spent, yeah. I sent, I sent three skull emojis, and I'm like. Yeah, thanks, dude. I appreciate your interest, but I'll have to pass. And he's like, uh, no counter. And I'm like, I counter what? I can't counter a 75% comp offer on counter a $1,000 card that's easier to move than Lake Michigan. Yeah. Which, for the record, I ended up moving at like 5,850 goods and services. And if anything, I had another buyer willing to do 5,800 net. And I think I had another full comp buyer that I wasn't sure about. But I took the first deal that made sense for me to take because you never know when the next ones are coming. Sure. But I'm like, dude, 4,500 on an Otani Bowman Chrome Auto, like the hottest cards of like the hottest players. Like, yeah, stop. It's like, and the thing was, he was like posing himself as like a very serious buyer. Otherwise, like, why are you going a day after to DM me about? It? Like, you had a you had to take a day to offer 4,500. It's like. I'll yeah. buy all of them then on the spot at forty five hundred dollars until my wallet depletes me. Yeah. Which is probably very not very long, but still. <laughs> I mean, the thing is too is I deal in like a completely different realm of cards where it's like people really kind of just want to have like a good stack of cards a couple times a month. 
where they can, you know, feel like they're getting some cards, maybe because they live in an area that doesn't, that is a card graveyard because they still do exist. Yeah. Um, maybe they travel for work. Maybe they have so much family and so little time or a life that's happening to where they can't go to the shop. They can't go to Walmart and not buy real stuff versus cards, you know? Yeah. So that's what I'm there for. Right. I have people that come into my sales at like one in the morning late, you know, yeah. and just claim like 10 cards and they do that a couple times a month, you know, and yeah. that's how they vibe. So I'm definitely dealing in a different realm. However, when I did this grading process and occasionally when I jump up into bigger cards, I definitely see the angle that Matt, uh, this way, sorry, that Max is talking about. And, um, I get it. You know, when you have a very hot commodity and a very like good, like piece, there's no reason to, to come at someone so crooked, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so for me though, on the other hand, right. I'm like, this is a really cool 2004 upper deck MVP card, man. You know, right. It's a little vibe. It, yeah. So it's, it's a little bit hard for me to judge on that, but at the same time, I mean, I do have an attitude. I do get frumply which is a frustrated the problem with ugly and oh god i can't remember frazzled maybe but anyway go ahead max no the problem with low-end buyers again yeah this is not making fun of anyone's financial situation right i love low-end cards too it's just that a lot of the personality behind it often like i mean i have a buddy or two who will sell a lot of cards and someone will complain about a $10 card, not having a BGS 10 pristine corner when the card is still near mint or better and they wanted to grade it and they'll want a refund or something like that. Over it's a respect factor with me for me. I never guarantee a thing. Yeah. You are getting what is on the page. I are always under comps. If you're, you know, I had someone sweat me recently actually about me losing two free cards oh my god free cards get out of here he didn't sweat me hard but he was like because i had his paid stack and he was like hey you're missing the blank and the blank and i'm like you're right but this is a one dollar 75 pwe thing here yeah two extra so free cards i just don't nice respond yeah i don't i just don't even you know Nothing. Yeah, right. It's not a yes or it's not a no. It's not a f you. It's not a oh. I hope you're okay. It's just a, I'm gonna go over here. Yeah. You know, um, I have plenty of I have plenty of stacks that don't get paid for. You know, I have plenty of stuff on the side that doesn't get dealt with. Yeah. You know, if you're listening to this, my advice to you is if you are expecting a PWE or like a ten card mailer from me, or you're only buying that and you're not doing BMWT. You need to DM me. Yeah. yeah. Not I, me reach out to you. Unfortunately, exactly. that's just how it is because of time and space and energy. Yeah. And I'm sure you can understand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you're doing stack sales with thousands of cards like you do yeah. to search through that whole stack, just to find a $1 50 cent PWE, it's usually just not worth it. I, totally I put them aside, but then they get. Yeah. Shit happens. Right. Like. Um, Shit's happening in the card industry right now, and I really yeah. want to talk to you guys both about it because, Mitch, we bond over the fact that we love the competition era, as I like to refer to the I 90s. love that. I love that. The post-strike competition, Y2K, et cetera, era. Yeah, the way, yeah, exactly. The, that, everything that has to go with that. But Fanatics has been hiring up employees yep. of Panini. Yes. I've heard upwards of eight employees Poaching. Poaching. from Panini have been going over to fanatics um that raises red flags to me right off the bat i'm was not a fan of how panini operates with their lack of transparency with odds with their tough quality control their love of monopoly games <laughs> max have you been following this before i throw it to mitch have you been following this news i have been following it i don't know the specifics i think monopoly's fun Think I think it's fun too. I think it's a good idea. It's not cards, but it's cards and it's in a different area and I'm down, but go oh. on. Oh my God. I am not down. But think about it like this. I'm it's, not going to buy it. Play. The, the monopoly cards are in the board game section. Right. That's what they I'm saying. They're not in trading cards. Right. So Coachable. It's an attempt to circumvent and still be able to make NBA cards. Oh, you think long-term they're like, going to be. Oh, 
They're going to go back into the games. Panini's always been a sticker company, dude. They're going to go back into like, we make sticker packs. You watch. Mm, I'm interested by that, actually. So just as a way of them still being able to make products with NBA, because like what they're, they're never saying it's, I don't, or to my understanding, I don't know if they're saying it's a collectible card game. They're just saying, hey, these are booster packs. That's how Classic Games got their license in 1987 or something like that because they called it a board game. That's how Don Russ and Fleer got licenses because they were stickers. They were not cards first. Interesting. I did not know about this. Wow. And Pacific Brand got their license because they promised to do Spanish language cards. So he's very right that it very well might be their niche to get continued, uh, you know, place in the market. Although I don't know. I don't know anything. Good speculation. That's but that's later that's in the, the show. Right? Are we like, doing right. that later in the show? No, this is later in the show. Perfect. <laughs> like this is like just from my understanding of like what it could possibly be. Interesting, because what I heard rumors of last year was that Panini was going to get bought out by Fanatics. That Fanatics was going to get all the licenses under their roof as soon as possible. And I heard that there was lawyers. On the case, they were finalizing the the details, dotting the I's, crossing the T's on the deal. And now it's been a year and a half since those rumors first started. And we're we're at this point now where there's lawsuits from Panini to Fanatics about poaching their employees, which is kind of crazy. There are lawsuits. Yeah, I, I saw it on some Instagram account was posting about it. And it just blows my mind that like, a deal like that in an industry with how much money's at stake with for fanatics and this and their investment into everything that's going on like fanatics is investing billions of dollars and they can't buy out panini there's some shenanigans going on there i'm I'm calling shenanigans i think i think panini is going to go down firing so that's why max your thought about the board game aspect of monopoly really hit with me because i feel like that they might be trying to fight dirty for the next few years. And I'm kind of down with that to see what they're going to be throwing out there. Look, I'm go a competition is good, but many brands isn't good because no one really cares about Panini baseball. I love to say it actually. I don't hate to say it. So, but what is Panini doing with the monopoly stuff? I don't know. Yeah. Just another prison parallel nonsense shit, but pick me, pick me. Mitch loves Panini. Bro, uh, competition, period. All the brands, period. Yeah. I'm sorry. This whole not... Like, dude, everybody should be making cards. I completely and utterly disagree with that take. Yeah. I think that the more the merrier. Bro, 2002, post-serial cards. Tommy remembers. I do, I do. Okay? <laughs> that is how you get kids into cards. Yeah. You get sure. people into cards by putting cards in unlike you know, uh, untraditional senses, you know? I, here's the thing. I think we're hearing a lot of voices from people who got into the card world in 2020 during COVID boom. They will not accept a product that does not offer any way of making a product or making a profit, excuse me. Um, If if you can't make a profit on the product in a sealed wax capacity, then that's a trash product or yeah. over, overprinted is a common word that I hear for people who are upset that they can't make a, a profit on a product. And right. I, I will voice my, my issues with overprinting in certain situations, but I agree that in general, we need to like, if you want, really want to grow the hobby, 10 X, 10 X as fanatics likes to say, you're going to have to put cards in really weird places. And like, I'm cool with, I'm cool with the new shit. I don't know, Monopoly, I just, I think it's really just my hatred for Panini and their, like, shady business style. and like, Just everything is shady with them to me. Um, They've earned it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I had a famous rant where I said that, you know, the bra- Backyard Breaks is breaking enough product to hit the, get the hits that they are supposedly getting loaded boxes from, which I still think is bullshit. I don't think the loaded boxes thing is where it's at. Yeah. But there's definitely... Um, supply issues with where panini feels like they need to be sending product to i know of course card shops it's much harder to get a panini license than a tops license it's like any industry dude there's so many built-in variables period that's just how it's gonna go <laughs> that that might be the uh the episode 
the episode title right there. Built in, va- built in vari- variables. With I things. mean, though, really, the things exist. Be- it's like you have to know history to know why things exist a certain way. Yeah, it's true. Like, I didn't know about the sticker thing. Like, I, I literally just learned something new five minutes ago that I never knew about cards. And I, that happens every single day. One thing yeah. that's new, um, Mitch, and I'm, yeah. I'm something that's happened since episode 20, your first appearance, is there's been some action from Panini in hitting on the nostalgia of the 90s prism sets that hadn't really been reprinted before, right? I, I don't Properly. Think Probably not. Properly, um, properly. Properly, properly. Yeah. Excuse me, excuse me. Yeah. Um, but Zenith Football came out. And you want to tell the people what 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 Zenith, Zenith Football this year has in it? Yeah. So the thing is, is I honestly actually haven't gotten my hands on any of this stuff because I refuse to purchase most retail because um, I always just get torched. Um, however, I was really excited. It honestly seems like the companies do listen to all of us bitching on Twitter. I'm not kidding. Like it, I, I so there because I mean this is my what third plus year of being consistently online in the card zone. And the thing about it is is they are listening because a lot of these cards look a lot more like what they did in 1997, 1996. Yeah. They do. And and I think that that's a good thing. That's really cool. I mean, a lot of the like gold prism inserts and silver prism inserts that you saw in Zenith and you see in Zenith right now are literally homages to 30 years ago. Yeah. And I think that that's really cool, whether or not the people know it or not. <laughs> I think that's cool. I think, I think so it's too. really cool. And then, you know, Chronicles is the same way where you get a lot of the throwback stuff. You get the leaf certified stuff, which I think is really fun. I sold a Hunter green leaf certified auto and yeah, it was a sticker auto and yeah, it doesn't have the logos, but it's a really nice fun card, you know? So, I mean, at least they're hitting on the nostalgia without the licenses in that sense, but football, I just don't have a team to, you know, get behind and I don't, you know, buy much modern football. So what do you say, Max? You have like five teams in California to follow. Well, the Raiders dumped me, so I dumped them. Yeah. Oh wow, that's a rough breakup. Are the are the A's? What would happen, Mitch? If, not a sports analysis podcast, but what would happen if the A's moved? Really? So the thing is, is that is a whole nother episode. Yeah, I know. but uh, the the long of the short is I would quit the A's. Wow. Man. Yeah, you don't do that. That would, but you would still PC like you would. What would you do with your collection though? That's oh no, it would go nowhere. I would PC Oakland A's. That actually make life probably easier for you to like stay focused on that. Yeah. Well, collecting know. modern A's players is buying cards to sell two years later. So yeah, exactly. There's you no, know, unless no they get there. traded. Yeah. No, I mean, the thing about it with the A's man is I, it's hard for me. My brother works for the team. So I know a lot of things and it's just rough, you know, you know, they're doing that revoice reverse boycott coming up, which I would love to put a little bit of a voice to, which is cool. Hopefully yeah. something happens. What is um, that? Can you explain what that is to the people? The reverse boycott is something planned by the Rooted in Oakland Twitter, I think. Yeah. And basically, they're trying to pack the stadium on a night that would normally have about 3,000 fans in it. Yeah. And what they're going to basically be like, hey, look, we do exist. Hey, look, we're not the issue here. Hey, look, we're abstaining from coming here except right now. Interesting. I, I think It's cool. not how I'd go about it, but that's okay. Um. So if anyone wants to look into what that is, check out the Rooted in Oakland Twitter. It's all over Reddit too. But um, just going back briefly to the Panini thing and the Zenith and the stuff like that is I think it's really cool that they're really trying. I think it's really cool that they're trying to give older collectors something to collect and something to like. Uh, A lot of people don't like modern prism. A lot of people don't like modern optic. You know, a lot of people are not really into that stuff. So I think it is cool that they do that and that some of that stuff is offered and that more nostalgia collectors, nostalgia collectors exist a lot more than they're getting catered to, I think would be in baseball. They do a really good job because of archives and every year and they, heritage and stuff. Yeah. That's not the issue here. I'm talking about football now Yeah, um, is I think, you know, scores boof. They do rehash. They do rehash the, the, the designs, yeah. Um, and they do rehash most of the designs of a lot of the cards, 
but I think it's really cool that they're doing more of a, a middle upper end with lots of foil and lots of shine and lots of old designs. And they're, I think they're even doing stuff like the, uh, the pro bowl inserts, which everybody loves, you know, like the volcanoes and the fireworks and the, yeah. the canoe. Did you see mm -hmm. the Eddie George canoe? I've seen the canoe. I've seen the canoe. That card is a hilarious one. It, right. So those sets are eternally fun to collect. You know, I feel like they're like that era of people is probably getting back into the hobby now hearing yeah. big sales. They're like, oh, when I was collecting, I was a part of like the downfall of collecting or whatever where prices tanked and like everyone quit in 91 and 92 when the, the Gulf War came about. Yeah, that's that's the goal. Do you think the Gulf War impacted that or is that more of just an association in your head? I guarantee you that when the whole Kuwait situation happened, it hurt the hobby. But then it gave us Desert Shield. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it did because you know when 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 um when middle class male spending goes down, the hobby is less relevant, and that's one of the quicker things to happen when the economy worsens. But question: Is the hobby alive? The hobby is alive, sir. Cards, cards, and cards. The hobby never died. However, the hobby goes in waves. Okay. And the thing is, is my dad owned that shop and it greatly affected it. And he has always said it greatly affected it. And because he was in a middle-class environment yeah. and was, and had a hobby shop in a realm of a lot of hobby shops. Um, but I think in general, that's just kind of how the waves go. Mm -hmm. And if you stick out the low wave, you'll be there for the high wave. And you see people right now selling collections doing this and that who's to say tops 2025 isn't going to have a print run that's half as low as right now oh no way no way not why 2025. not 2035 maybe but do you get what i'm getting at and that's yeah. what happened in the years in which i sell cards from true that is basically my thesis right there is that i'm grabbing things from eras that are not obnoxiously you know there yeah. Um, and they're different, you know, I can sell mid nineties cards of junk wax stars on funky teams all day. That's all your month. I see that all day on your thing is like the, you want Tom Bernanski on the brewers. You got it. You, know? you got it. No, I mean, just literally just, that is what I think is fun. That is what I think is entertaining that is what gets the nostalgia bone going. That's what gets people excited. Just like in high end when what gets people excited is getting the grail or getting the autographed card that was held by their favorite player or getting the super rare uh, card they never thought they would get, right? The, the super hard parallel. So it's just a different nut. Yeah. That's all. Mm -hmm. Max, me and you talk a lot about like the coolness to rarity spectrum yeah. and how that impacts value. I feel like Mitch, you sell it that like the, the, the you're, you get the coolest cards that are worth a dollar. Right. And that's what your sales full of is like, yes, the, the cards that only have value because it's like, what the heck? Like, yeah. Oh, that exists. You know, <laughs> if it was something that was, was seen all the time, it wouldn't be that cool. Yeah. But I mean, it definitely, and the, and the other thing I want to point on is that I'm able to learn and still be excited because of the way that my job is. Yeah. yeah. I get same with you, Max, with your new run into vintage, bro. Like super excited for you to have this new world to stick your nose into. And I see that you jumped off the high dive, bro. You were like, let's freaking go right, you know, right just, the cob. yeah and dude that's what the freaking hobby is all about is finding that little new cut where you're like damn that's cool i'm gonna jump down this 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 rabbit hole more so mm. i'm able to do that when i'm going through cards and i'm like why is this here or uh is this part of that set uh yeah. does you this have numbering on the back forever mitch and I love learning. I'm a learner. Right. And that's what it's, well, that's what's so cool. And that's what's so fun. And that is what gives the hobby a mortal replay value. 
and especially, and here I'm going to tie it back to why more companies are good. Yeah, do it. Because there's more to find. There's more nuggets. There's more differences. There's more uh, gems to mine out of the side of the hill. You know, my era of post-strike pre-trout would not be fun if it was just tops. Okay. Those designs from 88 to 93 are fucking horrible and they're drab. Okay. Quote me, but you look at score, you look at the young superstar sets, you look at the Don Russ rated rookie sets, you look at the Don Russ baseball's best. You look at that kind of stuff. Oh, that was an iconic, that was an iconic way right there. Oh, we're going to keep it going, though, because I'm not going to edit this part out because I think that Mitch is just absolutely on a rant that is too uh, too good. But um, I think what he's hitting on is just kind of like the fact that the designs of the late 90s or, or the early 90s are dope for reprints. I don't think they're going to be reprinting. They're not going to be reprinting 2002 Donruss. The rated rookies of the early 2000s were so bad. Um, yeah, that, they were they were like so bad at picking. Sorry, guys. Good. Sorry. Guys. No, you're good. You're good. So, so, dude. Oh man, upper deck Don Russ, all of those from like 00 to 04, awful. Like so the bad. rookies that they chose, holy smokes! And that's why they made the rookie rule for 06, right? Because they were like, yo, all these dumb dumbs been getting cards that are in big releases. What are we doing? But I love it. I yeah. love it. I don't care. <laughs> There were we haven't talked about rookie cards in a while, Max. About the like the weirdness of rookie cards in the early two thousands. That was an early favorite topic of ours. Can you choose a rookie card? Like the player chose it? No, no, no. Because you're saying that they chose bad rookies in the year from two thousand to two thousand four. So it was up to companies to create their own rookie lists. So. Cards prior to the late 80s that were rookies, there's no rookie logo. They only tops really did like the 79 rookie stars, right? But yeah. the Donruss and Fleer releases don't signify rookies at all. But when you get to the late part of that decade and even more of the companies came out and people started making the little box sets, right? The, 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 the rookies, baseball's yeah. best right and but they started marking rookies and it became kind of an industry norm probably i'd want to say in like 91 92 that kind of era you know you what i mean the, do you think the star rookie i feel like the star rookie griffey kind of probably also pushed that forward no it was literally it I was, you you got it bingo um yeah. upper deck chose their rookies their star rookie set which is the first 20 numbers i believe in the 89 upper deck iconic set and they decided to make Junior number one. They were the first ones to put him in a rookie set. Nobody nobody else decided, and that's why he's in all these traded sets, right? Sure. So he was the first one to really like – and then everybody started picking him. And that's why the Pedro Martinez 91 upper deck update is the Pedro rookie, right? Yeah. That's why the like uh, – gosh, what are the other examples? You know what I mean? Oh, 1989, Kurt Schilling got one card. The 89 Donruss, that's it. You know, it's weird stuff like that to where it was up to the company to choose. And that's why, you know, there's some other examples of players who, oh, David Ortiz. Fleer was the only company in on David Ortiz in 1997. Every other company waited till 98. Fleer tradition has Johan Santana in 2000 traded, I think. Is a weird and one. so does um, Pacific Paramount traded. See, that's where I think Panini could have actually differentiated themselves. Like, Max, do you think that it would be good if Panini was like, you know what, fuck this. I'm going to put Rated Rookie on a guy that... Yeah, let's just put Rated Rookie on a Mike Trout 11th year card. <laughs> See, he fucking hates this shit, and I love it. Yeah, he does. I absolutely love it. And the thing is, is they do do that, Tommy. Last year, so Capstone, you know, that release that is like ugly to most people, but I love it. Of course, you love Capstone. Right. So, well, they have Summit autographs, which goes back to Pinnacle Summit yeah. back in, like, 95. Like, you know that Griffey foil board that oh. I have from Pinnacle Summit? Oh, I know Summit? about Pinnacle Summit. Come on. So, they redid that in Capstone. 
they made Capstone like a Leaf Pacific release, and I love it. But uh, what I'm getting at is they put sh- they put uh, they put Shea Langoliers rookie autos in 22 Capstone. Interesting. And his rookie is 2013 tops. 2023 tops yes my brain doesn't work (laughs) can we get rid of white bordered base cards by the way it's so boring no that's the bane of the 2010s tops flagship (laughs) you just want to grade cards well bro are you kidding me no i I like full bleed photos no borders are necessary not white ones every five years in a row what borders do you prefer? Gold, always. No, but that's that's a parallel. But no, no, I love no, top slack. No, look at ninety eight to two thousand, and then in 01 and 02, right? The gold is actually gold, not bronze. So in ninety eight to two thousand, those borders are bronze. You could make the parallel gold. We need to have more white borders no you just parallel collect bro it's boring no parallel collects add flair to but we want to bring back the base card what about the 2006 or 2005 albert pujols with four hall of famers in it what do we want i don't i think the triple cards are dead no 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 no. it's the one where verlander is getting taken deep by pujols that's an iconic card yeah and it's a base card and it's worth like five bucks. Yeah, that's five whole dollars. Yes. <laughs> it's okay. Differing ethos is fun. We could have like a game show. No, we gotta cool. have like gold border supremacy. Yeah, dude. You cannot beat 99 tops and 2000 tops. But oh, you period. can beat 2018 tops that has no borders at all, which I don't like, but it made the entire backdrop strong. 18, you said? 18. Yeah, 18. 18 is like a surfboard. It's stupid. Yeah, that's a weird one. Yeah, but 19 and 20 were pretty good. I just like, I imagine the 98 to 2000 cards with parallels. Cool. Very cool. I'm thinking it's cool. What I know it's cool. What happened with like Tops Gold initially? I saw someone talking shit about like the early 90s Tops Gold. What is like. why this is he guy, shout out to this guy because he was like, the early tops gold is like silver prisms of today. And I totally get what he's talking about because you get silver prisms, what, like one per pack? And you got huh? tops gold 93s, one per pack, right? I don't know. That's your No, name. you did. You got one per pack back then, like score gold rush or um, silver sig upper decks. You see, so I mean, he's right, he is right, but I'm a snob, so I was like, Yo, no, nah, you're thinking about Pacific Paramount, which created the Pacific Silver Parallel, which is now Pacific Silver Prism, the Silver, the silver right? So, the thing is, is they were inserted a lot less back then, though, so it's actually not the same. So, he's actually right, <laughs> I'm just an ass, he was actually right. You just like to educate people, I feel like, Mitch, when uh... yeah. No, I'm I'm basically 50, even though I'm 31. <laughs> you are the you're the old head here of the of the podcast. You're the oldest guest, I think, that we've had. <laughs> wow, no way. That's impressive. Seriously? I think so. 31. Wow. Okay. Well, I appreciate you guys so much for having me on and listening to my bull. I know Max's like ears are fuming. Oh. Only yeah. a little bit. Only a little bit. <laughs> exactly. Gosh, I'm trying to even remember. I didn't even finish talking about my newest sub and like what cards I subbed. Oh, you're like... good. We never finish a conversation on this podcast. Every every conversation gets sidetracked into something else that ends up being just as fun and interesting. I think we do need to close it up though, Mitch. I do want to hear about cards, maybe some random shit you bought recently traded for. Um... Yeah, yeah. So I opened some mail today. Let's hear it. And I had this. 2000 Bowman Chrome Gold Refractor Barry Zito PSA 9 in it? No Who way. Me that? No way. And a Jim Tomey 99 like Prism Hollow Foil? That was a banger. Oh, what's oh. that? That looked cool. But dude, Tommy, thank you for the sick mail, bro. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you got it. I didn't. I haven't even posted about it because I got it today. I didn't so. know if it was going to get there in time for the pod, but 
I'm glad. Uh, no, I have to bangers. space my posting. You have to be smart about how you, you know, Twitter at the homies. Um, yeah. The other card I got today, which I was really stoked about, was which is the one I'll talk about, and then I'll hand it off to you guys. This is my coolest pickup of the week, besides the stuff you just gave me. Mm-hmm. 2006 Flare Showcase Legacy Blue Frank Thomas in an A's uniform. Cool. So here's the thing. We all know the legacies from the late 90s, right? From Flare mm-hmm. Showcase? No. Oh, well, they're all like out of either like 100 or 75, and they're very, very popular with the football people. Oh, the, oh, I seen that from that one dude who posts all those like rare ass football. Yeah, Roro Weber or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so basically, it's the original Mojo print on oh. those. On those. But these legacies are when Upper Deck took over the Flair brand, the okay. Fleer brand. Yeah. So in 05, Upper Deck took over the Fleer Flair brand, right? So you know that all 06 Fleer stuff is upper deck. It says UDC on the back. So yeah, a 2006 Fleer Flare showcase is actually an upper deck release. And I believe that it was the first and either only time or maybe one of the only handful of times that they actually put out Flare showcase. And that was Frank Thomas's last great year. And we know he did it as an A and he led us to the ALCS. And that was our best season ever since the Bash Bros. And, uh, it's out of 150 and it's green. They did blues and they did greens. And I learned about this set because I picked this card up and I think that it's very cool. And it, it's, it's, it's only a $5 card. Yeah. And he's a hall of famer. So I think that, you know, very undervalued, very weird because it's not truly flair, you know, it's upper deck. It's upper so deck. if you're a player collector or a team collector from that era, I highly suggest you go check out flair showcase, uh, from that um, from that era, like the 04 to 06 range. In, they, th- those ranges are just so much fun. You never know what parallels there are. You never know what things are numbered to. Every brand has a different numbering system. Every brand has different insert system. Every brand has odds that are stated. Okay? It's fun. Go. That's fun <laughs> Max, what do you buy at the Hofstra show other than you got shafted on the Cy Young? Um, I bought the aforementioned Shohei Otani Bowman Chrome, which is really cool. Uh, Bowman Chrome Auto. I bought this Anthony Volpe Sapphire mm. Auto, which is I prices are going up and down and then up again. Um, what cards in my hand do I have? Oh, I bought this Jason Tatum Silver PSA 10. Great, ba- great one. This Tatis Blue Wave Auto. I like that. 2019 is nice, man. And I'm just hitting up with the rap cards. The Shohei Otani Top Chrome Update Auto. 21 stuff for me. All-star game. Good chrome white borders. Fair. That's fair. I um, guess like chrome is also like so sleek. Like it's so clean and it's so cool and it's so fun. I just right. love full bleed photos because they're awesome and they feel like you're there. The white border for me and the thinness of the cards is hard. When you do the full bleed, it you have a certain card thickness and it feels like cards that I'm used to, I think is another big thing. You are such a ch- you're such an upper deck stan, like upper deck two thousands. You love the base base upper deck from the two thousands. I feel like all that shit was popping with the full bleed. We bought them um, at Seven Eleven, Tommy, in our Utes. Yeah, I know. Damn, I wish I was just telling this story to someone about how I uh, in twenty ten when the Giants won the World Series, they put out a team set with tops with the World Series. Uh, foil on it or logo or whatever they did it for the yankees the year before as well and that means i have that yeah the but the giants one i got i remember it was one of the first things i did was like buy that 7-eleven for five bucks tell my dad i needed it and there's like some cool buster rookies in it and it was five bucks now it sells for like 80 bucks as a set Mm -hmm. mitch got dropped from the call max oh my lord again this has been a fun, but been a fun episode. Um, we'll have to let Mitch give his goodbye on Twitter or something. But yeah, it's his... been a fun one. Uh, he's coming in hopefully to to close us out here, Mitch. Um, we'll definitely have you on again. Obviously, this is the far from the far from the last appearance. You'll see everyone will hear from you. But um, if you have any parting words, um... I just want to say that I appreciate you guys first and foremost. Of course, you know for having the the true old head on the show um and i really appreciate what you guys do and your consistency 
and your persistency. And I want to say that I try to listen every week and that I really appreciate your guys's angles and your guys's um, intriguing thoughts about certain things that go on in the hobby. Um, I really look forward to seeing each of you at the national this summer. Let's go. Yeah. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to be walking around with the shirt on that says my name. So everyone can know I'm there. <laughs> um, but I am eternally grateful to card Twitter. And I want everybody to consistently realize and know that we have something like super special on there. And I think that that is kind of like the whole angle that I want to continue to run with is that, you know, I've had a lot of people tell me, Hey, thank you. Hey, I appreciate that you do this. Hey, this and that and the other thing. And for a while I'm kind of like, why? Like I'm just some dude with some cardboard, you know, but I want to put it out there that I feel the same way. You know, it's, it helps me. It's nice. It's good to talk to people. It's good to socialize. It's nice to not see politics on my feed. It's nice to not worry about what uh, is going on out there. You know, you can get on, you can scroll cardboard, you can feel okay. You know, a lot of things on the internet are like not okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, and a lot of things in a lot of people's lives are not okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's really great that we have this outlet. So let's continue to put each other up and push each other up and be there for each other. Right. And continue to make the space fun and cool and informative. You know, yeah. I learn every day, just like Max said. So Mitch, that was an incredible, uh, little, uh, soliloquy you just did. I, I feel honored to like that. You listen to us every week and, you know, I learned so much from from you throughout the year, last few years of cards that like nothing but gratefulness for everything that you've been able to you know teach me. And also just like I wouldn't probably even be on card Twitter at like I am if you didn't like shout me out my second day on there. And hey, but you did it, bro. Not me. You hey, made your shit. You made it, bro. We all did our shit, man. And yeah, I, I think next episode, Mitch, will be just a complete dissection of card Twitter of the 2020 year. I think that's I think a great we, idea because we didn't get much into it now no. about talking about how absolutely elite and peak of a lifetime that addition was. that was. Yes, yeah. that is a great idea. Put it yeah, on the we calendar. Do, we'll do oral history of card Twitter next episode with Mitch. Max, what do you got to say before I press end recording? I like the baseball cards and I like IMO Mitch. Oh, bless up. Bless, bless up. See you guys next week.